Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, back on the Dale and Holly and Thornton show. We've been watching the NBA playoffs. A little disappointed that the Celtics didn't win their their series against the Atlanta Hawks, but we've been paying attention to the NBA playoffs, some exciting stuff. We have lots of questions uh, about the Celtics uh, and their future. Lots of questions about uh, what their plans are. It's a big offseason in the NBA. The salary cap is going way up. We know the Celtics have tons of options, lots of draft capital. Joining us, I believe, I believe for the first time on this show is the head coach of the Celtics, Brad Stevens. Hey, Brad, it's Michael and Jerry. What's going on? Hey, guys. How you doing? I'm doing well. Great. So my question for you, Brad, is, you know, we all have our we all have our analysis. Uh, outsiders looking in on on why the Celtics lost four games to two to the Atlanta Hawks. And now that you've had a little time to think about it, a little bit of rest, I presume, you know, what do you look at as as some of the keys to that series? Well, we knew going in that's a that's a that's a good team and a tough matchup for us. We had struggled with them in the regular season, and we knew we were going to have to play at a really high level to um, give them a run and ultimately come out with that series. You know, obviously, I think what what hurt us in the series and, and in retrospect was we really struggled to get and or convert looks. And I think that that was, you know, there was there was a little bit of both. You know, we we had times, uh, especially earlier in the series, where where we drove in and we tried to challenge three guys at the rim, um, and it led to conversion points for them. Um, you know, later on in the series, I thought as the games went on, we did a better job of driving and kicking and finding the right shot. And then, you know, we didn't we we just didn't probably make enough of those to to keep at least keep touch in some of those games and, and give ourselves a chance. Obviously the two games at home we did. And then I think that, you know, and I talked about this all year, we had, um, we probably had too many times where a 6-0 run became a 10-0 run or a 8-0, 8-2 run became a 14-2 run, you know, something like that. And, and we just didn't answer it quickly enough to, again, just stay within striking distance so that we could make plays and execute and do what we need to do to give ourselves a better chance to win at the end of some of those games. Um, you know, from the big picture standpoint, I felt really good about our progress. And, uh, and at the same time, certainly those, those, um, those last two games specifically were pretty sour, pretty sour feelings for all of us. Yeah, Brad, I want to ask you about that progress. You won eight more games than the year before, two more playoff games. How do you and your staff regard that as a as a significant jump forward or or baby steps? How do you quantify that? Well, I think you know I'm really looking at it from the you know from obviously coming in uh, in the 2013 right after the trade. You know, you knew that there was going to be some growing pains because we still had a lot of movement to do. We still had a lot of trades that would ultimately be made, and so for the better part of you know the next 18 months. 
you know, we were pretty transient in nature. Like we were, we were moving left and right, um, and trading left and right. And at that time, um, about 18 months later or whatever the case may be right around the trade deadline, we became, you know, we had a group that, that obviously was the, together for the better part of the last 18 months. And I think that continuity and that stability helped us do some things. There's no doubt that, you know, in this league, I've been told, um, and, you know, it's funny because I don't want to sound like I'm the expert. I've only been in the NBA for three years, so take it with a grain of salt. But I've been told that certainly it is is very hard to go from, you know, the point where you're you're building and growing or you're doing lots of moves and, and – and you've got a lot of movement to being competitive night in, night out, and, and in the mix for the playoffs. And then there's another jump where you're, um, you know, very much in the mix for all the marbles. And I think that that's where, obviously, we've, we've made good strides, where we've done a lot of good things. Our players have gotten better. I'm excited about our, our future. I'm excited about the guys we have in-house. And I'm just really more excited about kind of the day-to-day focus and progress and, and work ethic than anything else. And so for me, it's, you know, it's not really about the win-losses. It's not about anything else other than you know from being in the gym on a day-to-day basis there's a, there's a lot of progress been made. That's, you know, all the win-losses and the how far you get in the playoffs and everything else, that's for everybody else to talk about. Obviously here there's one goal um, because those 17 banners hang above you. Yeah, I want to follow up on those 17 banners and get into that next step because as we watch the playoffs, and I just wonder from your perspective how you, how you look at it. All right, the next round, and you see Atlanta, and they got swept by Cleveland, and you see uh, the series last, uh, last night, Oklahoma City and San Antonio, great series. And you look at, okay, in one series, uh, you got LeBron James moving on. And in the other series, you see Kevin Durant scoring 41 points. Is it that simple that you have to get uh, the next LeBron James, the next Kevin Durant to get to that championship level? Or uh, it, can it be done, and it's hard to do in the NBA, can it be done without one of those you know, top five guys? I think, you know, great talent generally is always, um, you know, just increases – uh, your margin for error. I mean, there's no, there's no doubt about that. You know, I think specifically to the Cleveland series, when you looked at that, you knew that um, when you, when you looked at Atlanta and you looked at how they had played against us in the last two years, and then you looked at Atlanta and how they had played against Cleveland the last two years, you knew that was going to be really, really tough. Um, and one of the things that made Atlanta so good, in my opinion, was they were so connected defensively in protecting the rim and protecting the, you know, the highest percentage shot, which is a layup at the rim. And they, they would cover that with, with great help, with multiple effort. And then they would, would work really hard to get back out and contest. And, but, you know, it did end up after a reversal or two that you, if you handled the ball and if you handled their initial pressure, that you would be able to have a shot. And I think that that's, what happened obviously in the Cleveland series and, and Cleveland went on a, I don't know if it was record setting, but it sure seemed record setting the amount of threes they made, but you were going to have to make threes to beat Atlanta. There's no two ways around that. And so it wasn't just about obviously, uh, you know, having LeBron or having, 
um, Kyrie or whatever the case may be. I, I think or Kevin Love. I think it's also the fact that those guys were surrounded um, by great complementary pieces in that particular series, and we'll see what happens as we move on. But I think that that you know that is um, that's a lot of the NBA right now. I think a lot of the NBA is is really focused on you know whoever your one, two, or three guys that draw the most attention are, but then who can space the floor for those guys and how effective is that all working together? You know, when we talk amongst ourselves about ways that you can lure top free agents to come to Boston, we list one of the assets that should help is Brad Stevens. Do do you play any kind of an active role in bringing free agents here? Well, I'll play an active role. I mean, I'll do anything, um, you know, that I can as far as meeting with guys, calling calling guys, um, whatever I can after the you know the July first time frame when we're we're given the go ahead to meet with those guys. I think the you know the the best the 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 best selling point um, I would say that I'm probably not near near that right. I mean I think that the the tradition, the history, the city, the way that the city embraces the Celtics, the way that the um, the way that our players feel about being Celtics, the amount of pride they've taken in that, and this group in particular how thankful they've been to get a chance to play in front of these fans and in this place where those, again, those banners hang above you. Um, you know, to me, that's the top of the list, you know, and, and I'm a, I'm a basketball guy. Like I'm a, I love the game and I love the history and the tradition of the game. And maybe that just means even more to me, but I think it means a lot to a lot of people. And certainly there are other factors involved when, when ultimately um, free agents have to choose to, to, um, you know, choose a place to play. But, you know, I, I, for me, those were a lot of the things that, you know, obviously flattered me about being asked to be the coach here. And, yeah, that's a good point because you have recruiting experience, obviously, uh, at the collegiate level. So that means you knew what was important to uh, 18-year-olds and their parents. Uh, at the at the college level, you get a sense of just from talking to your players or other players, what's most important to uh, NBA players. We know they're going to make the money. Uh, the money is going to be great uh, anywhere, but yeah. what's what's most important to them in your opinion? And, and almost everybody in the league has space, so you can kind of throw that out, right? I mean, I think that with 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 or or at least a lot of teams in the league have space and ability to 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 do moves and. Um, to open up space, et cetera, et cetera. So I think the, the, the biggest thing is that it's, it's each individual person. And so when, for me in recruiting, it was find out what makes each individual tick and what makes each individual, um, you know, what, 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 what separates your situation for that individual and go from there. But I do think this, and I found this when I was at Butler especially because at Butler, um, it was a little bit different than here. Obviously, we didn't have the history and tradition relative to the level that the Celtics have. But I always felt like if somebody chose us, they were choosing us for all the right reasons. And ultimately, you know, if, if they liked where we played, which was a gym built in 1928, which was Hinkle Fieldhouse, I felt like they had an appreciation for tradition and history of the game. And I feel like if you have that, then team is important. And then collective achievement is important. And if you have that, then you obviously have a guy you want in your locker room. Well, Brad, I would never ask you to name names, but but as you look at your team as it is and the teams that are still alive in the playoffs, what what would you say your top priority is in terms of 
the kind of talent you need to bring here? Is it a rim protector? Is it a three-point shooter? Well, I just think whatever, whatever. So, so obviously what you want to do is you want to position yourself to, to have the best talent possible, and then you've got to come up with a plan of attack around that. So however that works itself out, let's say that you end up drafting a, a person that is a, a great rim protector but may have you know, limited offensive ability, for example, then, then you've got to come up with a plan to manage and maximize that. Um, I think that generally speaking, um, you know, I think that versatility, and when I say versatility, I'm talking about guys that can guard really two through four because you know, at times those guys um, can switch everything and make it as difficult as possible on a number of different positions while at the same time shooting is a, are, are two of the big things that, that, you know, we just have to continue to focus on. But everybody's focused on that, and that's why the term 3 and D is uh, used so much around the league. Uh, just a quick question for you. Uh, we know Avery Bradley was uh, out of the Atlanta series after game one, and uh, listening to Danny, it didn't sound like he was going to be back anytime soon if you had advanced. Uh, what's the update on uh, some, of the, some of the injured guys, Avery Bradley, Kelly Olenek? Yeah, really, I, I've given those guys their time and space. I mean, I met, I met with them when, the, when we did the exit meetings, and I haven't spoken to either of them. Um, and I'll reach back out sometime this week. But they heard me enough for, for seven months, so, um, so I don't really have much of an update. I think, uh, obviously, um, Kelly was, was going to continue to look at his options with his shoulder, um, and I'll speak to him in the next couple of days. And then, uh, you know, Avery's was a situation where, um, you know, you can feel a lot better walking down the hallway when you have a pulled hamstring, but then you try to jog or you try to um, run, um, you try to extend yourself, and you realize just how far away you are from coming back. I mean, that's a that's a it was a pretty significant thing, and you know we weren't going to risk him coming back. He he had tried to do some very light jogging, et cetera and um, was very sore right after that, as to be expected. So I didn't anticipate him even being back for that second series if we were fortunate enough to get there. Um, I said the very unlikely because that's the way it was presented to me, but I never anticipated him playing against Atlanta again. Well, Brad, we always appreciate the time. Uh, you're welcome here. Uh, welcome at this address to talk some basketball. Make sure you coach up Isaiah Thomas at the lottery so – yeah. <laughs> your options your options increase. Yeah, there you go. Well, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Hope everything's going well, and, and uh, it was great joining you. All right, thanks, thanks a lot. Thanks very much. Uh, that's uh, Brad Stevens, uh, head coach of the Celtics. Uh, got a chance to talk some basketball with him. and want to get your reaction to some of the things that he pointed out. I like the fact that he said, hey, to beat Atlanta, you're going to uh, you're gonna have to make some three-pointers. If you look at it that way, now, if that had been said, if that had been said to me in confidence, before the series started, I would have said Hawks and five, because that's just not that's just not what they do. That's not what the Celtics do. They hit it would it would have to be one of those somebody gets really hot and they're out of their mind for a series. But if you go in, if you look at it and say, oh, okay, the, the Celtics have to hit three pointers to beat the Hawks, hmm, that's a tough matchup. But plenty of good stuff from Brad Stevens. Uh, want your reaction? Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. An interesting four four for you guys as well. Sports Radio W E E I. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.